Well, we're so glad you're here. And again, if you're a first timer here, we're so glad you're here. And we actually have a free gift for you. Um, My new book that just came out, you can take your uh, connection card out there to the Life Center in the foyer, and they'll give you a free copy of the book. And hopefully, hopefully you'll enjoy that. If you're a second or third timer and you, you didn't know about that, you can go out there and and, and, and pick up a book, and uh, hopefully, hopefully it will be of encouragement to you. All right, so I have to take, a, I'm going to take about five minutes, and I'm going to do an infomercial. How many of you like infomercials? If I wasn't pastor, I'd try to do that. Man, those guys, those, I'm, I'm a sucker for infomercials. Man, I believe that you can cut a boat in half and put that tape on it. You can put a motor on it and go. I believe it by faith. I wanted to try it out, but uh, none of my friends would cut their boat in half. You know what I'm saying? Uh, uh, they said, well, why don't you cut yours, yours up? I said, well, mine's more expensive than yours. I mean, you get your boat's all beat up anyway. If it sinks, we can get you another one. So anyway, but here's the infomercial, and I'm going to play a couple of videos. Um, the goal of family life, and listen, you're welcome. Uh, we, we just want to be a blessing to people, and sometimes people like to come in, sit in the back, come in late and leave early and just make sure that, you know, they feel comfortable here. But our goal, really, our goal is to get people from just attending to serving. And we want to give the ownership of the church to, to the people. And we have several hundred volunteers uh, that, that, er, that serve every month, either at a weekly or a monthly capacity. And so here's the way you do that. If you've been coming for a while and you're like, man, you know, I'd like to find out more about family life. Next, we have what we call a growth track. And it starts next Sunday, um, and it's right after service. And so you go up there, you get a free meal, we have childcare for you, and you listen to me talk for about 45 minutes. So if nothing else, you get a free meal out of it, okay? And we have three of those, and at the end, so you learn the vision, you can ask any question you want, and at the end of it, uh, you can see, we can connect you and get you on one of our serve teams so you can serve, and we have all kind of different ways you could serve. And, and um, so anyway, uh, it's a no pressure, no haggle approach, but, but that's how we get, that's our goal for getting people involved. So to register for that, you can sign up out there in the foyer, um, in the Life Center, or you can go to our website. You can sign up for everything, anything that we have um, on, our, on, our, on our website. Um, also, so in February, we're starting our, our life group semester. We have small groups, we call them life groups. And our goal as a church is to get 80% of our people involved in small groups. And you say, well, why isn't 100? I said, well, my faith isn't there yet, you know? My faith isn't there yet. Typically in an average church, about 35% of their congregation are involved in small groups. And I think we've really been pushing this and, and, and our life groups, we have all kind of different life groups. We have Bible studies for personal spiritual growth. We have some monthly groups where people meet in homes once a month. Um, we have some all kind of different, we have a cooking group and we have a business impact group. And I think this semester we're going to have an exercise group and just it's ways, things we want to do already. And so why not get together with some Christians and do it together? Um, so you can go to our website and there's a link to our small groups page. Um, and just so if you go on our page, what happens, our monthly groups, um, once they get to a certain point, we, we, we lock them down, okay? Which means no more people can come because it's hard to get 30 people in a home. 
So once they get to a comfortable size for home, we kind of lock those. And so those people, they can just keep meeting indefinitely as long as they want. And then we just start new ones to take their place. If, if you're here and you would like to start a monthly fellowship group, a monthly group in your home, you can contact me and we'll tell you what the avenue is to do that. Um, so this, we change up our Bible studies every semester. In this semester, we're gonna, have, we're gonna have a ladies and men's Bible study on Wednesday night. So basically, we'll have, we'll have youth. Youth will be meeting on Wednesday. So if you have a teenage, you can come drop them at youth. The ladies will meet in here. The guys will meet up in the grow track room. And the guys always ask me, why don't we get the big room? Because more ladies come than men, okay? If you reverse that, we'll kick the, no, never mind. That's not gonna happen. That's not gonna happen. Uh, but but what, that's what we're gonna do. So what happens is there may, be, there may be 30 or 40 men here. What we do is we do a Bible study, then we break down into small groups so you can meet people. So spiritual growth and, and meeting people. So we're gonna play a quick video of the men's Bible study and ladies' Bible study that's gonna be starting on February 5th. I have loved this study on the life of Joseph in the book of Genesis. Whenever God sets us apart, it will always be in keeping with his plan of redemption. And we're gonna see this in the life of Joseph. Joseph is absolutely going to be set apart. So many human experiences and emotions are found within this story. There's nothing too broken. There's nothing too messed up in your life that God can't turn and create a path of blessing. But it's not just been uh, the relatable experiences that I've loved about this story. I've been absolutely captivated by the way that God kept his covenant promise. I would love for you to join me in this eight session study on the life of Joseph called Finding God Faithful. And I really believe that by the end, you will discover that God's presence is constant and that his purposes are totally unstoppable. I look so forward to being on this journey with you. I'm very excited about my new book, The 15 Invaluable Laws of Growth. This is something I'm very passionate about. For 35 years, I've been on a personal growth plan and I've had people continually ask me, John, how do I grow? That's why I finally wrote The 15 Laws of Growth book. It helps people know how to start growing, how to keep growing, because what I've learned and what I've discovered is that growth is happiness and when we grow ourselves, everything around us begins to grow also. So we'll have those two. In the next few weeks, I'll be introducing new people. Um, another group we're going to have, and we have this one every semester, um, it's Financial Peace University by Dave Ramsey. And, uh, you know, statistics say that the majority of people in America, it doesn't matter how much money they make, they really struggle with their personal finances. And, you know, when I started pastoring, started building this church 20 years ago, I noticed that so many families were, were in a financial crunch. And so I had to figure out something. We started doing FPU probably 17 years ago. My wife and I took it with three or four couples the first round. And it was so beneficial for my wife and I. And a lot of times people are embarrassed because their finances aren't, aren't in order. You know, I think sometimes if we want to grow, we've got to quit being embarrassed and do something. We've got to quit being embarrassed and do something. And so we're going to play a quick video uh, from, by Dave Ramsey about the Financial Peace University that's coming up. Financial Peace University began about 20 years ago. And now today we've had over one and a half million families go through this course. 
This is the place where we start happening to our money, where we start aiming our dollars at our goals. You gotta make your money behave. You work too hard to get to the end of your life and be broke. There's a massive group of people out there trying to sell you stuff. They want to interrupt your plans. Don't cash out your 401k. I know your 401k looks like a 201k. Remain calm. The only people that get hurt on a roller coaster are those that jump off. God's all in this thing. He's all about fixing you. He's all about fixing me. There's a redemption story built into this whole thing. And every time I give, every time I understand I'm not an owner, I move along that spectrum from selfish to selfless. Now, this is a boot camp. I'm your coach. I've had some good coaches, and they lit me up a time or two, but it caused me to go places I couldn't go otherwise. You change your life when you get sick and tired of being sick and tired, where you say, I've had it. This is how you get out of debt. You gotta run for your life. You gotta run, 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 run. You gotta bust it. You gotta go like your life depends on it. What would happen to the kingdom of God if the people of God were out of debt? How much of this world could we as believers change? So listen, if you have never taken that or if you took it but you actually didn't do it, you can take it again. Uh, it's funny, my, one of my leaders that used to lead it for me, Ralph, come on up today, please, sir. Uh, Justin Howe used to lead it for me. He's like, Terry, when people take FPU, if they don't do it, they just avoid me in church, you know? And so I said, don't do that. So uh, Ralph and Benita Besson have been leading it for us now uh, for about, I don't know, probably, probably three or four years. And this is Ralph and his wife, Benita. She's somewhere right around here. But um, they're great people. If nothing else, come and spend time with them. So uh, Ralph did this, and I think he paid off his business and all kind of things. Yeah, yeah. It's on. Uh, years ago, uh, I was heavily in debt, 150000 200000 something like that. I, I think I was afraid to add it all up. And I was, I was running pretty scared. And I listened to somebody on the radio named Dave Ramsey as I was working. I was listening to his radio show. So I got his book, and we started working the plan. And a few years later, we got everything paid off. Thank the Lord we got some help. And we used this plan to, to get everything paid off, completely debt-free. And I tell you, it is a tremendous, it's just a tremendous relief to be able to sleep at night, not have to worry about your finances, to be able to just walk in financial freedom. And uh, we, we teach, in addition to getting out of debt, we teach about investing, how to put your kids through college without, uh, without debt, uh, real estate, how to buy and sell a house, planning for college, uh, many other things. And just, uh, you will not be, uh, you will not be any, con don't feel any condemnation or any uh, guilt. We're here to help. That's the reason why. So we invite you to come. We, we meet uh, on Thursday nights. Thir Thursday. Thursday nights at 7 o'clock. So I invite you to come. And just uh, the whole goal is to get people out of financial bondage. So hope you can make it. Yeah, okay. yeah and thank you, Ralph. It, it's for people in our community as well. So if you, if you know a friend that wants to take it, they don't. They don't have to come to Family Life to take it. So anyway, that's all the infomercial day. But what I, my whole point is that, man, all the studies show that when you do more than just come on Sunday, when you get involved, it, you know, it's fun to go to church where you actually know somebody, you know? Hey, I know that guy's name over there, you know? And so anyway, that's it. No more of that. So 
anyway, we have all that. And this morning, I'm starting a series uh, called Moving from Dreams to Reality. And, uh, you know, I know that although you can make changes at any time in your life, any point, January by far is the pinnacle of when a lot of people really uh, set goals to change behavior, to change things, to do some things and not to do some other things. And we kind of call these New Year's resolutions. And uh, it's interesting, of course, you could have a March resolution or a June resolution or an October resolution, but New Year's resolutions seem to be the most common. And I think there's several reasons for this. First of all, it gives us a target date to shoot for. Secondly, January kind of represents a new beginning, a turning of the page, you know, kind of an, a, fresh, a fresh start. And also, I think we slow down some during the holidays. We get some time off and we really begin to think about and evaluate our lives and see, hey, there's some areas lacking. There's some things I can do, I can do better. And so many people make New Year's resolutions. And personally, I believe that it's beneficial for everyone to have a New Year's resolution, especially Christians. And, you know, I know some people, they just quit doing resolutions because they've never effectively completed one. And so they're like, man, I feel like a hypocrite or this or that and the other. I always start and never finish. I try, I set goals. And uh, so what I want to say is, is this, is hardly anyone gets anything right the first time. You know, that's the devil trying to make you feel bad. We're supposed to try and keep trying and try again until we get to where we want God, uh, you know, to be where he wants us to be. And so the word resolution, I, I looked it up this week, and it, it means it's, it's a firm decision to do or not to do something. The action of solving a problem, a dispute, or a contentious matter. And if you break the word down further, of course, really, it's, it's, it's the word re, R-E, and solution. And re, the word R-E, means to try over and over and over until you do it. So resolution. You keep trying and trying and trying till you get the solution. And so it doesn't have to be the, the first time. It doesn't mean there's anything wrong with you. But I think this, if we want to grow in our spiritual lives if we want to grow closer to God, if we want to be a better husband, a better wife, a better father, a better mother, a, a better friend, if we want to be a better Christian, then at sometimes in our lives we just have to evaluate and say, hey, I'm doing these things really good, but these things, I, I, gotta, I gotta step it up a little bit. I gotta, I gotta make some changes here. And uh, Philippians 3, verse 13 through 14, the Apostle Paul writing to the church in Philippi, and this is, this is, I think, a, a good text for this series. He says, brothers, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, it's a very important thing, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. And so he said, man, I... You know, I, I have to forget what's behind. And, you know, sometimes we just dwell. Have any of you ever dwelled on the past too much? And sometimes the past is a good thing, but it's over. 
God has better things for you. Sometimes the past is a bad thing, and we just, we just live in defeat and despair. And I think it's good sometimes to say, hey, you know, I'm turning a page. I've done some good things. I've done some bad things, but I'm right here right now. And in 2020, I believe God has some great things for me to do. I believe God, do you believe that? I believe God has great things for this church to do. We have some great things that we're planning on doing. Let me give you some, some statistics. I'm a, I'm a statistics guy, and like it or love it or whatever, but so let's look at some New Year's resolutions. 45% of Americans usually make New Year's resolutions. 17% uh, infrequently make New Year's resolutions, so I guess maybe they do it every other year, I don't know. 38% of Americans absolutely never make a New Year's resolution. Now let's get to a rougher part. 8% of Americans successfully achieve their New Year's resolutions each year. 49% of Americans infrequently achieve their New Year's resolutions, and 24% never achieve their New Year's resolutions. So let's look at some categories here. Um, The researchers had said there's four main categories in which the majority of people uh, try to uh, lay out some solutions, some New Year's resolutions, and the first one is with health. And, you know, we live in a society that constantly puts out there about health. So health is a big issue. And, and you know, maybe you want to get in better shape. Maybe you want to lose weight. Maybe you want to eat better. Maybe you want to get more sleep. You want to exercise, whatever. And so that's the first one people do. The second one is money-related. And the second one is like this is people say, man, I want to do better with my money. I want to save money. I'm going to learn how to live on a budget. I want to get out of debt. Uh, you know, something in those areas regarding money. And the third is relationship restoration. And people feel like, man, I have some broken relationships in my life that shouldn't be. And my goal this year is to repair some relationships. And maybe you need to repair your relationship with God. Man, I feel like I'm cut off. I feel like I don't know what's going on, but I just feel disconnected from God. And, and here's the one thing. If you ever feel disconnected from God, here's something that I learned. The problem is never with God. Okay? I mean, he gave us his son. He desires to have a relationship. So the problem is not with him. And, and I tell you what, for those of you that prayer, prayed and fasted this week, that's a great way to reconnect with the Lord and get things moving right. But then many times we have... You know, uh, we have difficulty, relational difficulty in marriages with our kids, with our extended family, with our neighbors, with coworkers. And uh, I'm shocked that the, no- the number of people that I meet that have broken relationships where they haven't talked to somebody in years, like a mother, a father, a brother, a sister. And I tell a man, life is too short for that. Life is too short. But you don't know, you don't know. You know, you don't know who they are. No, but I know you. (laughs) Right? Do you ever say that? I was talking to my brother-in-law over Christmas, and we're talking about somebody that's kind of a, I think the word he used was quirky. He got some few quirks there, and then he's like, we all got them. We all got them. We all, maybe say this with me. Say, I am not the easiest person. I'll let you think about the rest, huh? The next one is, is self-improvement. You know, it's a, it's a multi-billion dollar industry uh, of books and marketing and things just for self-improvement. And self-improvement may be something like, man, I need to break a habit in my life. 
you know, and when we think of habits, we think of drugs or we think of, of smoking or drinking, but you know, there's a lot of other habits, worry, anger, being critical. I tell you, I tell you one that almost all of us, and I'm putting myself there, can do better in is with time management. Man, we waste so many hours of the day, you know, on the computer, on social media, you know, doing things that really have little impact on our, on our life. But self-improvement, maybe break a habit, maybe say, I need to go back to school and better myself. I, need to, I want to get a better job this year or I want to become more organized and, 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 and balance my life. So I stated earlier in one of our slides there that, that only 8% successfully achieve their resolution. So I want to look into this group of achievers and because here's what I think. Everyone in this room, if you're here today, everyone, everyone by faith with God's help achieve what God has them this year. It doesn't matter if you failed last year. It doesn't matter if you failed the last three years. Every one of us can achieve. I, I just want to encourage you with that. You know, don't say, oh, I can't do it. I've tried and failed. You can do it with God's help. You can make improvements. And so the whole point of this series is, is I, I'm, going to, um, I'm going to start, I'm going to introduce four ingredients, four ingredients that will help you move from dreams to reality. It's kind of like if you make it, if you're baking a cake, like there's some things that have to go in there, right? I mean, if it's going to be a cake, there's some things, you've know, got flour, sugar, eggs, butter. There's some things that have to go in there if it's going to be an edible, uh, you know, good tasting cake. And if we're going to move from dreams to reality, there's some ingredients we need to have. And it doesn't matter if you're white or black or Hispanic. It doesn't matter if you're short or tall. It doesn't matter if you're 50 or 20. These four ingredients, they have to be in your life. And I think part of the reason that we fail on New Year's resolution is we have a dream of what we would like to see, but there's, there's no working behind the scene to help you get there. I mean, we, we have dreams. Oh, I would like to do this, but you don't have any plan to get there. And, and so uh, the, the four ingredients we're going to talk about in today in the next three weeks is, first of all, you have to have a clear vision of what you want God to help you become. You know, you have to have a clear vision. You know, I, I, I want to, I would like to lose weight. Well, well how, mu how much do you want to lose? Well, I just want to look better. Well, how do you want to look better? You know, and what's the plan about doing that? And so we have a pipe dream. Well, I just want to have more money. Well, how much more money do you want to have? I want to get a better job. Well, what does a better job look like? See, I, I, we have to clearly identify in our minds the vision that God has given us that we feel like he's going to help him help us to do, we have to clearly identify it so we can develop a plan to get there. So number one is having a clear vision. Week number two is, is to develop a plan to get there. Most people fail in their resolutions because they don't have a plan to get there. You have to have a plan. You know, and mo most times our plans aren't very good. How many of you ever had a plan to do something that wasn't very good? Every hand should go up. Every husband, raise your hand. Every husband, raise your hand, right? Husbands are looking around like, yeah, you, yeah, you, right? But sometimes we develop bad plans. And, and you know, and another, here's a bad plan, you know. I'm going to go to the gym every day and run five miles. But right now you're running zero. 
right? You're going to be in the hospital by the end of the week, right? If you actually do that. But you get discouraged, but why not say, man, I'm going to try to go to the gym three to four days a week, and I'm going to try to start exercising for 20 to 30 minutes. That's a much better plan. That's a much doable plan. It gives you some days to opt out, and it doesn't overwhelm you. The third part is, is, is you have to be disciplined. And, and all of us, what's, fun, what's really interesting is all of us are very disciplined in some areas, and we're very undisciplined in other areas. So the good thing is this, is that if you're disciplining one area, we can transfer it to another area. And, and so, you know, they've, all, the, all the research they've done, when they ask people every year, what is one quality you would like to have more of? Discipline is always in the top three. Because we would, we would all like to be more disciplined. And then number four is you have to master life stamina, just keep on going. So let's talk about vision today. We've talked about, we talked about vision last week for the church. Now we're talking about having a vision uh, for your personal life. And, uh, you know, the Bible, the Bible is really a book on men and women who received a vision from God to do something special. That's what the whole Bible is about. It's about men and women uh, who, had, who had sometimes boys and girls who received a vision from God and developed a plan from God and literally, literally worked it out. And so let's think about some of the, some of the men. Uh, Abraham, he, God gave him a vision of becoming a mighty nation and he left everything. He left from the Ur of the Chaldeans. He left all of his family and he goes to a place hundreds of miles away that God tells him, leads him to. And then he doesn't even have a son. He doesn't even have a child though he's 100 years old. And, but God says, listen, if you look up at the stars, if you can count the stars, you can count your descendants. He, he had a vision and he left everything he knew and followed the voice of God and followed God. And of course, God's vision came to pass. What about Noah? Noah's an interesting guy because Noah was 500 years old, and, uh, you know, God gave him this vision. He said, listen, I'm going to destroy the earth, but you're a righteous man, and I'm going I'm I'm to save your family because of your righteousness, and I'll, I'll, through you I'll repopulate the earth. He says, you know, by the way, I want you to go and build this ark. Now, it had never rained before. People think he's nuts, and he spends 100 years building this ark. And you know, people laughed at him, and I'm sure Noah's family, I'm sure his three sons and his wife said, you know, dad, maybe dad is you know, losing a little bit. He's lost his marbles, whatever. He's, he's, not, he's not doing too good. But you know what? When the rain started coming down, and when the, when the great depths burst forth and water started coming up, how many know that I, everyone know it was a popular figure? Great job, dad. Great job, dad. I'm so thankful you made me build this ark for 100 years. What about Moses? Moses is out living a good life in, in Median, and God says, hey, I want you to rescue my people. And, and Moses, the rest, the rest of the next 40 years of his life is about going and getting the children of Israel out of, out of slavery in Egypt and, and into the promised land. And I mean, there, 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 there's so many more. You can think about the apostle Paul. He had a vision to evangelize the whole Mediterranean world, every, every place around the Mediterranean Sea. And uh, he spent 20 years planting churches and going and winning souls. And, 
And that was the vision God had for him. Uh, Proverbs 29:18 says, where there is no vision, the people perish. And we talked about that last week. The word vision means where there's no dream, where there's no revelation from God, where there's no word from God, the people perish. And perish means they have a lack of progress, their frustration. And, you know, that, that's true. When we don't have a vision, I've met so many people that are just unhappy with life. They come into my office all the time. And they, they think they need medicine. They think they need, that, you know, whatever they need. I said, well, I, I'm, not, I'm not a doctor. Maybe you do need medicine. But what you do need is a new vision. Amen. You have nothing to live for. You have nothing to dream for. When God gives you a big vision, and when God gives you a vision, it wakes you up. It gets you out of bed in the morning to, 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 to do that. And, and so... Uh, very, very important. So principle number one is the only way we can make progress in life is to have a clear vision. If you don't know where you're going, you'll never get there. Vision is, is the number one thing. Uh, then Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 2 through 4, it's a very interesting. It says this. Uh, then the Lord replied, write down the revelation and make it plain on tablets so that a herald may run with it. For the revelation or the vision awaits an appointed time. It speaks of the ending will not prove false. Though it linger, wait for it. It will certainly come and will not delay. And principle number two is this. Once you receive a vision, you need to write it down. How many times has God spoke something directly to you and you didn't write it down and a few years later you're, you're trying to remember what it was? You got to write it down. It, it says, though it linger. One of, the, one of the great things, one of the tragedies in life is that people quit too early because God didn't do things as fast as they wanted. And when you look at the men and women of the Bible who did great things, it did not happen overnight. So write down, get a picture of what you want, write it down so you can look at it and read it every, every day. So the goal for today is to, it, it, is to establish a God-given vision for your lives. And um, I don't normally give people homework uh, in church. I just hope they come. But I'm going to give you homework today, okay? Uh, and, and the homework is this, is go home this afternoon, tonight, this week, and write, you know, start praying and saying, God, what is the vision for your life? And you should have like a five-year vision. Well, this is where we want to be one day. And then some achievable things along the way. God, what do you want us to do? What do you want us to do? What, what's the vision you have for our lives? And don't worry about how big the vision is. Don't worry about how you're going to accomplish the vision. I'm going to help you with that next week. I'm going to hopefully give you some very practical insight next week that can help us take baby steps toward following the vision that God has for us. But today, today is vision. I'm going to read Hebrews 11.1, 1, and it says this. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. That word substance is interesting. The word substance in the, in, there in the Greek, it's the word hypostasis. And in the English language, it can be translated title deed or legal paperwork. So faith, when we have faith, it's the title deed or the legal paperwork for something we haven't received yet in the natural. So when God gives you a vision, and listen, make sure it's God. Make sure it's not your neighbor or whatever. Don't, you know, a lot of people, they're following fads and they call it vision. You got to have a vision, like something that you know in, 
Okay, if you're new around here, let me explain this. All of us have a knower. Okay, if you're, if you're a husband, you have two. You have God and you have your wife, right? A knower. But we have a knower that when something happens, it just resonates in your spirit. And you know that you know that you know. And when God speaks to our hearts, we know that we know that we know. And so when it's, faith says that God has promised me this. And it looks like I won't get there. But faith says I have the title deed, the legal paperwork to that even before I possess it. Okay? And so I have ownership of it. And so all I have to do is be faithful and keep working until I, until I, I, I get there. Um, Dr. Ch- Dr. Cho, I, if you don't know, Dr. Cho, is, he, he's pastor. He, he retired last year in South Korea. He had the largest church in the world with 750,000 people. And he started with six beggars that were broke in an old Marine, a broken down Marines um, Korean war tent. And he says this, an incredible man of God. If you haven't read his books, I, I encourage you to, to pick one up and read. It's incredible. But he says this, that before you can have anything in the natural realm, you must first see it in the spiritual realm. And see, what I'm talking about is having a title deed or legal paperwork, not in the natural realm, not by the government, from God, that, that, that's mine. It's like the children of Israel, they had a title deed or legal, legal paperwork to the promised land. There were people inhabiting it, but it belonged to the Israelites. It belonged to God's people. That was the promised land for them. Napoleon Hill put it this way, what, what the mind... Of, of man can conceive and believe it can achieve. So you, you have to conceive it and believe it. I see it and I believe it. You can achieve. And this is a difficult part of vision. And the reason so many choose to live visionless lives is that vision, like truly, truly, truly vision. I have some people, sometimes people come to my office and say, Terry, I want to do great things for God. And, and I look at them and I'm like, do you really? And they're like, you're looking pretty. I'm like, no, do you really want to do great things for God? Because listen, God is looking for people to do great things for him. Amen. But it's not the casual Christian. Are you willing to sacrifice? Or, I mean, are you willing to be put in some difficult positions? And they're like, well, I'd like to do some good things for God. <laughs> so go from great to good, Okay. So, well, hope I'll help somebody, right? But what, I, what I'm saying is God, God, want, he uses people, he uses us to influence people. And when you see somebody that's doing great things for God, I promise you that normally they have paid, paid the price in prayer and they've really done their due diligence and God just lifts them up and blesses them. And, uh, but, but think about this. You have to have faith. You know if you have a God vision because it's going to take some faith to get there. If you, if you have a little bitty vision that doesn't require anything to get there, um, you know, usually God's vision, it's several things. First of all, it's usually bigger than you would have made it. And, and number two, God's vision, it always blesses other people. Our vision sometimes only blesses us. Lord, if you'd help me win the lottery, I mean, I would... I'd, I'd build the kingdom like crazy, you know? <laughs> Think about it. So 
And I, I just remember this, and I, sometimes I hate going back and talking about this, but, you know, more than 20 years ago, we, we, we just had our 20-year anniversary here at Family Life, and, and we, we moved from Lafayette. We're from Texas, but I was being a youth pastor in Lafayette, Louisiana. And, and God started putting this vision on Tracy and I's heart to, to start a church. We didn't know where. So we started praying about it. We're fasting, praying, and then we found out, you know, it would be here. And you know what? I remember where we were praying all this, and, and God told me, Terry, I'm going to use family life to impact thousands of people. He says, if you will obey and be faithful, I'm going to use family life to impact thousands of people. And so we came here, and we started doing this. I'm telling you, I have spoken to a lot of empty rooms. We had a church service one time where one person came. My family didn't come. <laughs> they, they went on vacation. Uh, but, in, in, but, but think about this. But you know what? Here, here's what faith does. Faith allows you to see people in empty chairs. Faith allows you to see things. The, in the natural realm, it's depressing. In the natural realm, it's like, you know, I even, one time I said this, I said, God... I'm doing my part. It'd be really nice if you would help me. That was at a very discouraging moment. And so the Holy Spirit said, you act like a pastor and I'll do my part. Okay, yeah. That was better than lightning coming down, you know. That was a bad moment. That was bad. So when you have a vision, faith doesn't say that you'll never feel discouraged. It doesn't say that sometimes things don't look rough, what it says is your faith overcomes the doubt, it overcomes the fear, and believes that God is bigger than the obstacles. And so there is a faith element. There's a faith element if we're going to have a vision. So let, let's get real practical for a minute, moment. Again, your homework is, and maybe you're thinking right now, what is the vision God has for you? Maybe you already have it and you need help with practical application working it out, which we're going to do next week. But let's get practical for a moment. Um, you know, if you have, you have to first get, get a vision of what you want to accomplish, get a mental picture of where you want to be, and the changes you expect God to help you uh, with this year. And let's go, let's talk about some of the four things we, we, we talked about. Number one was health-related, which... Um, which means, you know, something with health, whether you want to lose weight, eat healthy, exercise, sleep more, whatever it is. So let, let, let's go with this. Let me help you get practical. If you, if you have a goal to lose weight this year, here's, here, here, like, this is just an idea. You have to keep the vision in front of you. What I want you to do is I want you to get a picture of yourself how you currently are. Make it a bad one, too. Make it a bad one. And tape it, tape it on your bathroom mirror where you see it every day. Then get a picture that's better maybe years ago, maybe when you felt better about yourself, and put the two beside themselves. So every day you have a battle cry. Every day, okay, this is where I'm at, and, and, and this is where I'm going. This is what I want to do. And, and, you know, if, whatever, if you, if you want to eat better, I mean, I don't know, whatever you're doing, if you're hitting McDonald's every day, put a picture of McDonald's with a line through it on your mirror, you know? And put, I don't know, put some celery and broccoli and something else you don't like on next. I don't know. But you got to, listen, vision has to stay in front of you. It has to be in your mind. You can't just make a, a lot of people make resolutions. They don't even look at that until the end of the year. 
when it's time to make it going in. You have to have a vision of where you want God, uh, where, where God wants you to be. Um, this is funny. So I was, I found this this week. There was a man, he was, I thought it was going to be a highly intelligent article because he's a Stanford researcher. And so he decided he needed to make, he needed to make some, uh, you can go ahead and put that picture up. So this guy decided he needed to take baby steps so that every time he went to the restroom, he did two push-ups in the restroom. Y'all want to take a wager that in the next week or two we find men doing push-ups in the restroom? <laughs> but, and he lost 20 pounds. I'm like, man, how much does he go to the restroom every day? He's knocking them out, you know? And he said sometimes he did more, but he had to do two. But he said what happened is the whole study was on how people create change and form new habits. And he said, I started doing this. Then I decided I'm going to eat eggs and spinach for breakfast every day and cut out toast and cereal and all that stuff. And he did that. And so he made little bitty changes. And so my goal to you is sometimes we look at, oh, I want to lose all this weight. I want to do all this stuff. Baby steps. Baby steps. Start making small changes. Small changes uh, make a big difference over, over time. So the second thing is money related. If you want to do better, you know, and listen, this is going to be painful, but, but it's going to do this. Man, print out your debts and put them on your mirror or put them somewhere where every day when you wake up, you see the debts you have and put over here being debt free and that's every day. That's what I'm working for. We have a goal. We have a vision to get out, to get out of debt and, and, and to really do this. I mean, put, if you want to save money this year, put, put, the, put your, your savings account number. You say, Terry, there's nothing in it. Yet, yet, yet. God's going to help us with that, right? And you do that. And I, I strongly encourage you. Listen, the FPU class that we talked about earlier, it, it, it's, if you went to a professional financial advisor, they would probably charge you about $2,500 to meet with you over the course of time and get your things uh, ironed out. Financial Peace University is a professional course. It's nine weeks long. You have all kind of material you're given, and it costs $100. That's a, that's a, that's a deal. And if you don't have $100, uh, Jesse said he'll sponsor you, whoever it is. He'll, so he'll sponsor you. So. And he's also leaving the church today, so... But think about relational issues, you know. If you have relationships, you know, it's the saddest thing. I talk to Christians all the time who don't have any friends. Pastor, I don't have any friends. I'm like, well, you've never taken one of our Bible studies. You've never joined one of our small groups. Well, you got to, the Bible says if you want to have a friend, you got to show yourself friendly, right? So you got to put yourself in a position to make new friends, you know. And, and so, so think, think about this. Just really, really get practical. Really, really get practical. And um, once you have a vision, don't worry about anything else this week. Get a vision for what you feel God wanting you to go. Even if it's down the road, we've got to take baby steps there. And that's what we're, we're going to do next week. Would you stand with me today? Would you stand with me? Thank you, Lord. Let's just begin to thank the Lord. God, we just thank you that our God is a God of vision, that God created us. The Bible says he created all of us with unique gifts, talents, and abilities. We're all uniquely created in the image of God. If we're created in the image of God, that means that we have talents that we can use, 
There's things that he wants to do, but the biggest problem is we have to get over ourselves. And I, what I want to do is if you're, if you're here this morning, you say, Terry, I need God to give me just a fresh vision for my life. I need a vision, a compelling vision that, that I can be used by God to do some things. Would you just raise your hands this morning? And we're just going to pray because vision doesn't come from me. Vision doesn't come from this church. Vision comes from God, from the Holy Spirit working in our lives. God, I pray right now that you are releasing, you are releasing fresh vision to your people. I pray the Holy Spirit is releasing vision. God, you're giving us vision to do big things for you, to reach many people for you. God, you're giving us a vision of ourselves being set free from the things that are holding us back. God, I just pray right now for the vision of God to fill this room. God, you're a big God and you have a big vision for our lives. Lord, I pray, I pray that, th that, that this week, Lord, you're helping your people to identify your vision for their life. And God, you're gonna help us through this series to get to a position where we can this year carry out what you want us to do in Jesus' name. What I'm gonna do, church, we're gonna close with a song this morning and I'm gonna have our prayer team come up quickly. And, and if you don't need prayer, just worship where you're at. If you need prayer about anything, your physical body, if you need encouragement, our, these men and women would love just to pray with you. So uh, let's worship the Lord for a minute. The cross has the final word. The cross has the final word. Sorrow may come in the darkest night, but the cross has the final word. The cross has the final word. The cross has the final word. Evil may put its strongest fight, but the cross has the final word. has the final word. The cross has the final word. Sorrow may come in the darkest night, but the cross has the final The cross has the final word. The cross has the final word. Evil may put out his strongest fight, but the cross has the final word.
There's nothing stronger, nothing higher, nothing people this morning. Lord, I pray you're filling this place with vision. God, you're giving us the ability, the vision to move forward, uh, to make progress in life. And God, we're in covenant relationship with you, which means we have a spiritual inheritance. God, I pray for your inheritance to be realized in the life of your people. God, that we'd be prosperous, that we'd be successful, that your protection would be upon our lives and our families. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you so much. God bless you, family life.